Football MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Industry Seating Podcast. It is Sunday, June 13th. This one's just going to be on MXGP. I apologize if the audio quality is suffering a tiny bit. I'm, uh, I'm doing it via iPhone. I didn't bring my equipment to Vegas, but I did want to cover some of the, uh, the things we saw or maybe you haven't seen yet in Russia, but MXGP-TV does a great job of showing everything, and then I, I believe it's on CBS Sports again this year. Before we get into it, I uh, want to thank the sponsors, Pirelli Tires, Plum Creek Funding, Guts Racing, Fast Foundry, Works Connection, Blenzol Oils, Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia, 612 Suspension, Grant Stone Boots, of which I just got some new ones, Pro Glow Wash, and Fly Racing, and uh, I'll, I'll go into a little bit of that later. But if you didn't know, I will be joining the MXGP broadcast crew, most notably Paul Malin, for uh, a few races in July 4th weekend, which... It's pretty crazy. I won't be in America for that, but I will be in Italy at Majora for that round. I'm really looking forward to it. For one, I love I love traveling. As I sit here in Vegas right now, uh, you know, I've been to Europe uh, a lot, um, and I really start to, you know, sit down and think about how many times I've been to Europe. It's it's somewhere in the 150 times range, which is pretty wild uh, to think about. But I, I just really enjoy it. You know, summer in Europe is pretty amazing and it'll be interesting to see what it's like in Italy you know post-COVID you know they're coming out of all those things I think America's significantly further ahead of everywhere else as far as uh, being vaccinated and recovery and all of the flack that America took for handling this so poorly it sure does seem like we're on the front end of that so that's encouraging to see I hope Italy is somewhat normal, uh, but you know my trips to these MXGP rounds are pretty straightforward anyway. You know, a lot of hotel, a lot of the time at the track. Um, we're going to be working on trying to increase our footprint as far as fly racing goes, with uh, you know teams and riders and series involvement, all those things. So I'll be I'll be doing a lot of diligence as far as talking to teams and riders and negotiating and really just trying to grow there as well as, uh, you know, my duties on the broadcast team. So really looking forward to that. It's been, man, it's been almost two years since I've been to Europe, um, which is a long time for me. Uh, usually I'm there multiple times for, per year and that will resume this year, thankfully. Uh, but just to, that, just want to give you guys an idea of what I had kind of planned and I'm going to be traveling a ton all summer and into the fall. So I'll be coming to you from all sorts of places with this podcast, which is exciting for me. And uh, yeah, if you're following along on my social media, you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about because it's going to be intense to say the least. So as for MXGP today, 
pretty wild race, right? If you've never watched Oleonok before, uh, you would be surprised at how fast that track is. And, you know, we haven't been to that round since 2019 as far as the series goes. But it's always been fast and hard like this. And you oftentimes will see results that don't mimic the rest of the series at times. You know, Clement DeSalle, if you want to say it correctly, Clement DeSalle, was incredibly fast at this round. And he was good everywhere, don't get me wrong, but he would, his results would oftentimes break out at a race like this because of the unique conditions and the, the speed and the things that j this track requires to do very well. Um, for me, if I was racing this track, and I know, you know those, it's starting to get dated, the references of that, but if, if I was trying to approach this racetrack, I would be a little nervous. This, this track can bite you very, very easily. And, and for those of you who watch the race or will watch it, you notice that, you know, the, the section, well, the finish line jump, right? How many people did that bite? And it looked really straightforward. It was just basically a, a step up, really small step up, but the high speed coupled with the really slippery surface, rock hard and, and traction was deteriorating throughout the day. It was catching people left and right. And it did, it doesn't take much when you're going that fast and traction is that much of a premium to crash really big. And you saw guys that don't crash very often, like Tony Cairoli and Jorge Prado, and the list goes on and on. Uh, MX2 guys were, were down over and over, Isaac Gifting. And just, it seemed like every time you went by or the riders went by in the second moto, somebody was down there. And that's just kind of the status quo for this track in Russia. It just really catches people out when you're least expecting it. And that's that's probably the scariest aspect of racing at that high of a level is these guys are, they're relying on predictability in every aspect, right? They, they've done thousands of laps of preparation for the season and within a very small range, they know what the bike's going to do. They know how a bump is going to um, affect them. Sorry, uh, had a brain fart there. How, how bumps going to affect them, how traction is going to come and go. That's because they have all of this experience. They've just done this so many times. But when you get to a track like we saw or they saw today, a lot of that reliability goes away. And that, that's not a real comforting feeling for these guys. And, uh, yeah, just I think you saw some of the riders, Jeffrey Hurlings being one. I think you saw some of those guys just back it down, right, because – it couldn't have been easy for Jeffrey Hurlings to let Geiser go there. You know, when, when Tim catches him and then passes him and then pulls away, that had to be really frustrating. And they had to take all of Hurlings' uh, – trying to think of the right word. Um, he really had to settle himself down there. Composure would be a great word there to just relax and say, okay, I, I – he has more speed than me today. He's obviously feeling more comfortable on these conditions. I'm just going to let him go do his thing, and I'm going to settle for a podium, and we'll regroup. Because if you saw, a lot of the other guys weren't able to do that. Even a guy like Cairoli, as I mentioned, Prado, uh, Fevra, the second moto, they all made huge mistakes that ended up costing them a ton of points today. So I think Hurlings, which he's not been great at this in the past, I think deep down he just had to say to himself that he wasn't going to ruin his championship today. And if you look at the schedule, 
I believe there are going to be rounds where Tim Geiser is going to be very, very difficult to deal with. Today in Russia, the next round in Matterley Basin in England, the following round in Majora, which I will be at in Italy, those are all tracks with a hard base and very uh, typical for what Tim practices on all the time in Slovenia. It's, if you've seen his home facility that he rides, it's, it's exactly like today. So it doesn't surprise me that he would feel very comfortable on today's track. If you look at the tracks that Jeffrey Hurlings practices on all the time, they resemble nothing like today. They, the soil's different. They don't have a ton of elevation. You know, it's just nothing like what we saw. So for Hurlings, I think he knows that, right? He's experienced. He's a world champion. He knows that there's going to be an ebb and flow to these races. And the series is much deeper than it was just a few years ago. You know, I think Hurlings maybe 2018 saw the series differently where he felt like he could win every round. And if he wasn't winning every round, then that was a failure. Well, you know, really he just had to deal with Caroli then. He doesn't now. He has to deal with a lot of other guys that are very talented and they're going to have good days. And if you really want to be a world champion again, you're going to have to be willing to accept a second place, a third place, a fourth place, and understand that those are your bad days and you're managing your bad days. And when you get to tracks like Lommel and even when we go to Latvia, the tracks where you ride well, you need to go 1-1 and exert your dominance on those days and make up those points. But to days like today, just take what the race is giving you. Don't give away unnecessary points or you're going to dig, dig yourself a hole. And as we know, Geiser's probably going to have bad days too. He's very prone to big crashes. Now he's found a way to stay healthy through those crashes, but he's given away a ton of points in the process. And I think that's where Hurlings or whoever you think is going to be your champion, those are the days you have to capitalize on and you just have to minimize the damage on days like today. Speaking of Geister though, that was incredible, right? You know, I, I'm trying not to wait it too much because I personally thought this would be a great track for Geiser. I picked him to win just, you know, group techs and other places where I was asked what I thought, I thought Geister would win today. This track suits him, as I mentioned before, but I don't know that I thought he was going to win like that. That was more impressive and more dominant than I thought we would get. I mean, keep in mind the second moto, he was 23rd going across the line because of that big scuffle in the first corner. He was ninth at the end of the first lap, and then he just blew past those guys. You know, Hurlings caused him a little bit of trouble, maybe a lap, and then he took, it took some time for him to chase down Tony Caroli, but that was really it. I mean, he was gone, right? And, and I don't know even know how hard he was trying once he got into the lead, but he was head and shoulders better than everybody else today. So if you're, if you're Hurlings or these other guys, I, I don't know what you make of today. Maybe you just you forget about it, you take the points, and you just pretend it didn't happen because I think if you dwell on how good Geyser was today, it's, it's only going to cause you some doubt and some hesitation about everything maybe you thought you knew. Uh, so, yeah, I would be remiss if I didn't say that Geiser was better than even I predicted, and I predicted him to win. Um, so, yeah, just congratulations to him. I don't really have a lot else to say on Geiser, but that was really, really impressive. Tony Caroli, man, I felt horrible for him. I'm such a Tony Caroli fan for those who, who don't know. Uh, you know, I stayed with him and, and Chad Reed and I and Dan Truman all went to his house a few years ago and he was just so overly gracious and generous to us and welcome and hospitable 
that he made a fan for life out of me. Uh, so yeah, I was cheering like crazy for him this morning, watching him winning. And then, yeah, his crash was a huge bummer, you know, has handlebar issues and breaks his clutch off and can't get going. And yeah, that was not ideal to, uh, to put up a DNF in that second moto and everything was just going the right way, right? He, he looked like he was back to his 2018, 2019 form. He just was on a winning level, which we haven't seen in quite a while from him. And then it all went sideways on that stupid finish line jump. So, you know, he looked healthy, which is the upside, but to see him give away a ton of points in that second moto was a bummer because I think the series is the best when you have, you know, a nine time champ in the mix. I don't think, you know, it's, it's ideal for him to run away with a series, you know, like he did in like maybe 2015 or something, whatever, you know, those, those years when he was dominating, but I do think having him, if he's healthy, Hurling's healthy, Geyser's healthy, Febra, all those guys are just mixing it up and the points are all super tight. That's ideal. And with one crash, we see Cairoli have this huge uh, deficit to claw his way out of. So hopefully he can do that. But again, just a bummer uh, on that front. Uh, Alessandro Lupino, what the hell, man? That was incredible. I think he got fourth overall. Uh, just what a ride, both motos, good starts. And we kind of saw this coming a little bit. I mean, he qualified well, and then we watched him at Paula. He rode really well, qualified there well too, but the motos, he wasn't outstanding. I didn't think at Paula in the second moto, it was pretty good, but not like this. This was, this was rock solid. I mean, running around in the top five, both motos is just not something I expected to see, but maybe we should expect this. You know, it's one race, can't get carried away. The starts were certainly a part of the success, but if you notice, he was moving forward in the first moto, the first lap. Like he was aggressive making passes. Like he felt like he belonged there. And I think that's a big statement. You see, when you see guys getting aggressive early because they believe they're, they're supposed to be there and they got to get to the front, mentally, that's a big statement. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of, you know, I've watched racing my whole life. And when guys get a good start and they're really, just kind of tentative, right? They're hesitant and they're kind of letting the race come to them. They're getting shuffled around a little bit. That's a, a question of confidence, whether it's just on that track that day or just a question of, do they believe they should be at the front? And, and I lived that through my own racing when I would get a whole shot in a national and I did that many times, thankfully, but I would also let guys push me around because I didn't really think that I was supposed to be there. And you know, my results would prove that out but I wasn't fighting to stay at the front the way Lupino was. So I thought that was impressive. I thought it spoke volumes about where he believes he should be and where his confidence and fitness and all those things are. So great job from him. Uh, you know, he rides tracks like this in Italy quite a bit. So I'm sure that helped. Uh, but I mean, what can you say? Well, you know, he deserves all the credit in the world on a privateer effort to be, uh, to be running around in front of the guys he was running in front of. I mean, he led hurlings, in that first moto for, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. That's, uh, that's quite a bold statement from, uh, from the Italian, uh, Roman Fabra. Listen, I think he could have gotten second today. I really do. Uh, you know, that, that big mistake where he ran into the back of Jonas in the second moto cost him. But if you look at his speed, you look at the fitness, the starts, all those things. I think he was probably the second best guy today. And yeah, he didn't get second place results. He didn't get any of the accolades that come along with that and you know his mistakes were the reason for it so you know don't feel bad for him he he 
created his own problems. But if you're just looking at the form he was on and the way he was riding, it was impressive and it was really uh, confidence inspiring. And if you're if you're a Febra fan, you should leave there. I don't want to say if it's relieved or enthusiastic or optimistic about his chances because that's probably the best form Febra has seen since I'm going to say Sweden of 19. I'm just, yeah, I'm kind of guessing about timelines, but that's that's the best I can remember seeing him since then. So great jump from him. Nice to have him back. He's just another championship contender to uh, to throw in there. Paul's Jonas, great second moto. He got screwed in the first moto, huge first turn crash, but he was good all day. You know, that first moto result isn't indicative of, of how he was riding. And I think you're going to see more of this from Jonas. You know, you got to remember, he pretty much missed all of last year. Uh, I think that gas gas equipment is very good. And I think you're going to see Jonas running in the top five quite a bit. I don't know if he's going to win. You know, Lewis Phillips kind of posture or uh, hypothesized he could win a moto. I don't know. I guess it's possible if you get third in the second moto of the year, it's not too far of a stretch. You know, he is from the Baltics, right? So if you talk about him going to Kegums, I guess it's not out of the question to see him win. If, if we go to Latvia, win a moto there, that wouldn't be that shocking. Uh, but I, I thought it was really impressive to see him, you know, shoot out of the box at the first round and get a third in that second moto. Jorge Prado, uh, tough day. Um, everything looked good. He, he whole shots both motos. He got blasted in the, the first turn of the second moto. But, I mean, his starts are just legendary at this point. I mean, if you can find somebody who's better right out of the gate, reaction time and form and technique out of the gate, then him, uh, good luck. You know, it's Michael Essie-ish. He just has everything dialed coming out of the gate. And he's ahead of everyone, you know, five feet out of the gate. He's already ahead of everyone. And then he's great at shifting right when he needs to. And, and he only gains on that lead uh, down the start straight. So I think today was kind of an outlier. He crashes a few times and that's just not what we normally see from him. So I expect him to bounce back. I think he just needs to forget about today, move on, focus on Matterly, and understand that his speed was there, the starts were there, everything was there. You just can't crash, right? You have to eliminate those mistakes because they will, they'll kill you, especially in this class. You know, MX2, no big deal. You're, you're so fast and talented, you can make up the gap. In MX1, or MXGP, I should say, you really can't. There's just, it's too deep and there's too much talent. Uh, look at the guys, you know, that Arno Tonuses and those guys that are, you know, outside the top 10. And if you crash and get back there, you've got to fight through some serious world-class talent to get to the front. It's just too much to ask, in my opinion. Ben Watson, what a rough day, man. It's his rookie 450, excuse me, MXGP uh, appearance. He had great international races leading up to it. There was a lot of hype on Ben Watson coming in. He's, you know, he's on factory Yamaha equipment. And I think he will have better days. Uh, you get into some tracks that he, he knows he's more familiar with than this one. He's going to get better, but today was not anything to write home about whatsoever. Uh, and again, I think it's really important for these guys who really struggled in Russia to just forget it. Pretend that Matterway Basin is the opening round and just start over because there's really nothing positive you can draw from today. If, if it went poorly, forget it. Now, if you had a great day, you should, you should draw from all that and let it propel you forward and, and gain from that confidence. But if you had a poor day, do everything you can to wipe it from your memory and don't let Russia's 
struggles carry into Matterly. You don't you don't even want to think about it. Pretend it didn't happen, and make the second round your your opener specifically. Uh, Matterly coming up, as I mentioned, it's another strong uh, track for Tim Geiser. So if you think today just because of the conditions was a one-off, I don't know that it's going to be because if you look at last year's Matterly. Geiser ran away with that one too. Uh, Hurlings had nothing for him in the moto that they kind of battled. I mean, Geiser literally ran away from him. So I think you're going to see more of the same. I don't, I don't know if uh, Geiser will go 1-1, but it would not shock me whatsoever if he did. And I will have him as my pick to win the overall again. Uh, I think you'll see a bounce back by guys like Prado. Tony will be good. But Geiser's probably going to win Matterly. That's, that's my prediction. Getting into, uh, well, let's talk about the sponsors a little bit. Again, I want to mention Pirelli Tires. The one thing I wanted to mention on uh, Fast Foundry, these guys work with Fortune 500 companies nationwide. They help automate companies. They help you know startups get more efficient so they can compete with, with brands much larger than them. Uh, an example of what they've done in the, in the past year or two they worked with a company and they worked with their warehouse division, right? And if you think about you're getting tens of thousands of different products and you have millions of square feet of, you know, of warehousing, how do you get efficient as far as processing all those orders? And that's, that's something that WPS is going through. We're seeing this huge boom in sales and it's really hard to keep up with. You know, if the most packages you've ever shipped in a day is 10,000, I'm just picking round numbers, 10,000 and then you see this huge uptick and now you're asked to ship 20,000. Well, you don't, you're not really equipped to do it. Staffing wise, software wise, all of those things. Like you just don't have the capacity to keep up and it causes huge problems. And in the end, if you don't find a way to figure it out, you're going to lose business because all of your customers on every level, whether it's B2B or B2C or whatever, they get frustrated that you're not able to deliver packages on time. So that's where a company like Fast Foundry can step in and help you get more efficient. They can help you speed all of your processes up to meet that demand. And there are a lot of companies out there that just don't have the capacity internally to catch up, right? They're going to need to outsource help and basically ask for the expertise of a company like Fast Foundry to speed up, right? And that, that could be everything, something as simple as using Excel, Excel spreadsheets more efficiently so all those processes speed up. And that's one thing that Fast Foundry's done. Uh, Robert Carrico there was sharing that ex- exact situation with me. So if you find yourself in that situation, you're trying to keep up with business, now that everything's reopening, right? Bus- business is exploding, especially in America, around the world is coming because the economy is reopening. People are out spending money. There's all of this pent up demand on every level. And I don't think it's going to slow down for a while. You know, 2021, I expect to say, stay on this same pace. So now is a great time, if you haven't already, to reach out to Fast Foundry, ask for Robert, and just see what they can do for you. That's the most important thing is to see what they can do for you. Also mentioned Pirelli tires. If you're getting ready for Reddas or regionals, get those MX32 mid soft tires. They are now available in the mini. Uh, side as well. So if you have an 85, 65, you can get uh, those MX32. Get great starts. That's the best thing I like about them is a straight line drive. I don't believe there's anything else out there like it. 
but you don't compromise all your side grip either, right? If you wanted to go full paddle tire, okay, yeah, that's gonna give you more straight line drive, but you're gonna sacrifice so much side grip. And if you're on any sort of track that's not sand or basically mud, uh, that paddle tire is gonna be too much, but you can maintain a lot of it with that MX-32. So you want the MX-32 mid soft. Palm Creek Funding, reach out to Zach, 720-212-4685. Refi your house now before the, these rates are going to go up. They are. Uh, if you look at the inflation data that just came out last week, it was 5% with 4.99% year over year. That's the highest rate of inflation from the CPI. CPI data basically gauges its consumer price, right? So gauges the cost of goods month over month and year over year. We were 5% higher across the board year over year from a year ago. That's the highest rate we've seen since 2008. So what does that mean? That means that we're going down a path of inflation. Now, at some point, it doesn't have to be right now, right? I think the, the Federal Reserve is going to, they're going to allow it to go for a while. But at some point, if we see this national rate of inflation getting over 2% into 3%, year over year, like 5% was, was a, a measure. Last year, we had this huge deflation, 5% year over year. But if we get into this rate where it's continuing in the twos, threes, fours, they're going to act and they're going to raise interest rates. They're going to want to put a governor on the economy, which they're going to slow the economy down and keep it from overheating, keep, it, keep prices from inflating too much. What happens when that happens, housing interest rates go way up, right? So if you try to go get a home loan or you try to refi your house, now the interest rate you're asking for has gone way up, go back into three, four, fives, and you just lost a ton of money. Your house, house price comes down in value because there's an inversion there between, you know, the lower the interest rate on a mortgage is, the more house you can afford. So housing prices inflate and inversely, right? If interest rates go up, the, the amount of house you can afford will come down and housing prices will come down. So the moral of the story is, we're on a clock. If you want to buy something, if you want to refi something, you are on a countdown to when the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates. That's, this is not a, an if, this is a when. And it, it doesn't mean that it's going to be this year. It could be next year. But this will happen as, as sure as the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Interest rates will go up. So if you look at the amount of people that have bought and refied in the last year, it's like record highs. And that's for good reason. People are acting because they understand the opportunity. And that's just the message I'm trying to share with all of you is there is a ton of money to be saved right now, long-term by locking in those interest rates. So reach out to Zach at Plum Creek Funding and get those dialed in. Guts Racing, RJ Wide Wing Seat is, is a product I've been uh, harping on the last few weeks. If you want proper technique, you ride with your knees. You grip with your legs and you grip with your knees and you let your legs do the work when you're riding. Your arms should always be as loose as you can possibly allow them to be. So you don't get arm pump and your, your arms are just putting in small input, right? You're steering the bike, but your legs should be doing all the work. They, they should, are what should be at your core and doing all the stabilization. Well, that wide wing seat will allow you to have more grip, right? It's going to give you more surface area to grip with. Not only that, but you can customize all your graphics. You can have your bike looking exactly how you want it. You can, Hey, you could do, your sponsors you could do maybe you have a small business you could advertise your small business which would also be a tax write-off you think about that right you could reach out to guts racing 
and you could have your bike dialed in as a tax write-off. That's something I just thought of, but why not, right? Why don't you be, why don't you advertise your small business, right? This podcast is an example of that for me. You could, I could be advertising this on a motorcycle on the side, right? Uh, Works Connection, promo code JT21. Get that Pro Launch Start device. And if you didn't notice, Works Connection swept the podiums at the last round. That's, uh, and I think that was maybe at Paula. So my bad on that. But they swept the podium at Paula. That's insane. But those Pro Launch Start devices are, it's hard to beat, man. You want to talk about getting good starts. That's half the battle in these races. And the Pro Launch Start device is the way to do it. And use that promo code JT21 to save yourself some money. Blenzol Ultra. That Ultra TPI is brand new from, from, from Blenzol. Go to at Blenzol. Go to Blenzol.com. They're super active. You know, David Schloss has, uh, you know, had bought that brand from the previous owners a couple years ago. And they've really been on a charge to get that brand revitalized and get basically a new face on it, right? They have so many classic products that are tried and true. But I think they've done a great job of marketing to a new group of customers because if you're 22 years old, right, and you like to go ride and you're, you know, working for all your hard-earned dollars, you may not even know much about Blenzol because it's an older brand, right? It's probably your dad and your granddad's brand. But if you look at the, the trends and the direction that Blenzol is going, they're reaching out to all of the new mainstream modern advertising avenues. And that means you should be, you should be at least considering them for your hard-earned dollars. So reach out to Blenzol or go to at Blenzol on their Instagram and check out all the things they're involved with. They sponsor my podcast, main event, uh, the Mathis and Weege uh, podcast that uh, I won't mention the title name of that because it's a competitor fly racing, but uh, MX Vice is another one, right? They're doing all the right things. So um, I'm trying to support them as much as I can just because I, I want to see them succeed. I like to see aggressive companies and Blenzol is certainly that. Premier Vapor Blasting, get your bike dialed in, get it. If you're going to Loretta's this summer, right? And you want to have your bike just blinging on the starting line, which everybody does. Loretta's is half, half fashion show and half race. I've been there. I, I used to save my new gear all year for Loretta's because I wanted to look awesome. And everybody's bikes wanted to look sick too, right? Remember how Mitch Payton used to build like custom bikes for James Stewart and Ricky Carmichael? Because everybody pays attention to Loretta's. So if you want your bike to look as sick as possible, reach out to Premier Vapor Blasting and get it all customized, right? You can get it Vapor Blasted. It's going to look like, even if it's a race bike, I guarantee you they can make it look better right? Get all those, like your clutch covers and all that stuff super dialed in. So when you roll up to the line, even if you're going to get 20th in the moto, people are going to think you're going to win because your bike's going to look so badass. If you mention the podcast, they will give you a 25% discount as well. And Brandon, those guys just do insane work. Go to their Instagram at Premier Vapor Blasting. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, they, they just do things too to older bikes, especially, I think, you know, restoring older bikes that are just beat to hell, that's where they really shine. But even if it, the bike's brand new, they can make it look better. 612 suspension, mention the podcast, you will get a 20% discount. But these guys are race tech affiliates. So you get that, those quality parts and the quality work that you can, you know, you can lean on. They've been around for decades, right? Ronnie Monk at 612 suspension, he, you know, his family is, is second generation suspension experts. They go to all the local tracks. He's always there with trackside support. So whether any power sports item you have, side-by-side, -side, street bike, dirt bike, off-road, trials, I don't care what it is. If it has suspension on it, 612 suspension can get you dialed in. And I always mention this, but the most important thing to me with suspension is keeping your oil fresh. 
it, it's really everything that has to do with suspension, right? If you are using clapped out even stock oil, you're doing yourself such a disservice and you're not getting anywhere near the performance you should be. You know, guys that are racing all the time at the pro level, they get their oil changed every single week, right? We race one day on it on a weekend and then we get our oil changed. That's how vital it is to performance. So reach out to Ronnie and get your oil changed today. Grandstone boots, I just ordered some new ones yesterday. I got the, uh, the tan suede Chelsea boots that are on their website. So go to grantstoneboot.com and at grantstoneboot on Instagram to check that out. Uh, but I'm ex excited to wear those. Um, I have quite the collection of Grandstone boots going now, but, um, and what a great company. And I've been there since day one, uh, Wyatt Gilmore and the crew over there, right when he was kicking that brand off, you know, we, we kind of built this partnership and we've been working together ever since. So to see their product lineup grow from what it was just a couple of boots into this huge collection of boots and wallets and belts and all these things they have now. Uh, it's awesome. And, and I don't really feel like I contributed a lot to their success, but just to be a, a small part and watch it grow, it's, it's been pretty satisfying. And I'm really happy to see the success that they've had. ProGlow wash. If you don't know much about ProGlow, they specialize in powered sports washes. And there are specific ingredients that ProGlow has that help with all the difficulties that you see in getting power sports items cleans, right? road grime, weird soils that you may encounter. You have like that oily dirt that I've, I used to race on in Florida that's really hard to get off. If you race in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, you have that red clay. It's incredibly hard to get your bike unstained, like your white side plates. It just, it gets into all the cracks in the side plates and stuff that it just looks like hell, right? Your bike looks like garbage afterwards. Use ProGlow Wash to get that stuff off. I did a podcast with Ryan Humphrey from ProGlow at the Arlington Supercross. It's a little difficult to listen to. We had a generator in the background, but if you wanna hear more about why that stuff works the way it does and how it's going to give you better performance than just your standard simple green or whatever you'd get at you know at the grocery store, go back and listen to that interview. It's the Arlington uh, edition of Industry Seating. And you can reach out to Ryan too. If you have specific questions, you can ask me, email me, Instagram, whatever, and I will put you in contact with Ryan uh, to explain that a little bit more. The promo code for that is MOTO15. And last but not least, Fly Racing. We are about six weeks away from 2022 stuff. So uh, I am going in a week. I will be visiting all the media to fill them in on all the new things we have going on. But it's coming around again, man. Just years keep clicking away as far as new gear. And uh, yeah, we'll be here before we know it. So getting into MX2 a little bit. Uh, I mean, it was the Tom Vial show, right? And for those of you who don't know, Tom Vial is a second generation racer. His dad, Frederick Vial, was a little bit older than me, but I did race against him in Germany some. Uh, I just remember my first couple of years there, he was kind of the man to beat. And he raced MXGP, he raced you know, world championships for years. He didn't really see the success that I think his son will see, which has to be rewarding for him right it has to be just awesome to see his son find so much success he's already an mx2 world champion i believe he will be a two-time mx2 world champion at the end of this year and you watch him and he has every piece of the puzzle figured out i mean he's just he crushed those guys today but i believe he has the best equipment i believe he's the best starter uh, i believe he has the best first lap speed which allows him to use that start and sprint away and then his fitness has really taken leaps and 
or you know, kind of jumps forward leaps and bounds, right? He doesn't get tired anymore. And most importantly of all of that, I think, he looks like he knows that he's the best guy. He looks like he feel he, he just belongs at the front. And I think when you watched him battle with Ruben Fernandez in that second moto, he was going for the kill on Fernandez because I think he was basically like, dude, get out of here. Like, get away from me. What are you doing trying to pass me? I'm the world champion. I belong at the front and you need to step off. You need to get away from me or I'm going to knock you down. And I don't know that that's going to work every time, but that was kind of what I saw attitude wise coming from VL. And you can just see it with guys, whether or not they're right or wrong, doesn't matter. It's what he believes and the way he's riding exudes that attitude and that confidence. So look for Vial to be at the front all year long. Uh, you know, Lewis Phillips made the, the prediction that he would win 25, 26 motos this year. It, shoot, it may be more than that. You know, I think there will be some sand races where he won't win. Geertz will be better as long as his knee holds up. And you'll see some of these other guys uh, step up in some of the sand races because that's not Vial's strength. But he's going to win. He's going to win an awful lot. So for me, he's your champ. Uh, another rider we'll get into, I think, will win some sand races too. Maxime Renault, I thought he would be better today. His start sucked, which really set him back. But you're going to see him, and if you don't know anything about Renault, you will. He's going to be uh, he's going to be up front in these MX2 races before long. Uh, they did show him on TV a little bit, or as far as the broadcast, but it was it was mostly just moving up from the back. Uh, but keep that name on in your notes, and uh, because you're going to need it later, he's going to be at the front. FNH team, good day for them, right? Uh, Boirame and uh, see on that team. I should know that. I need to figure that out before uh, before I get to Italy, but. Ren, Rowan uh, Van de Moestijk, he was pretty good. And that's not really a track where you would think uh, Van de Moestijk is going to be great. But uh, the Cowies in general are pretty strong today. And I think, you know, that, that track for Bois Rame is fine. He, you know, the hard pack Frenchies and these, these Spanish guys typically do well because they ride hard pack all the time. Italians as well, they grow up on hard pack tracks. But I think when we get to... We get to Latvia, we get to Belgium, we get to the Netherlands. You know, those tracks, I think you're going to see Van de Moestijk push back to the front, right? I think he held his own today. Good result. But if you're talking about him winning, Lommel, you know, those tracks like that, Oss, I think he'll be in the mix to win. I think he's saving it or just trying to hang in there until we get to tracks where those guys will shine. Even Kegums, as I mentioned in Latvia, is sandier. And I think those guys will find more comfort. So... I thought the Cowies were good. Uh, they, they didn't get a ton of coverage today. They were kind of also rans, even though they were in podium contention. Uh, but they were pretty damn solid. Ruben Fernandez, I mean, that was incredible, right? Kind of out of nowhere. We've seen him battle at the front before, but it's always been short-lived. He either crashes or gets shuffled back, or he has a tough time kind of maintaining that pace. But he didn't today. Today was kind of his breakout party. And it, I think it's a testimony to the amount of work he's done in the offseason because it's very difficult to get that much better that quickly. And he looked like he belonged at the front today. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him running around in the top five, battling for a podium again at Matterly because he didn't look out of place at all. He looked confident. He looked comfortable with the pace. He looked comfortable with the pressure and the environment and all those things. When you make that jump to the front in a world championship, there's a lot that comes along with it mentally, right? They have to 
adjust and adapt and you have to keep your composure and your breathing and, and not let your mind take you out of it, right? You can't start thinking too much, if that makes sense. Like there's just all of these, you know, your whole life has been built around getting to the front in this class and then you're there. And if you don't just react and let instinct take over and just go, if you start thinking about all the things that got you there and all the pressure and, oh, what if I crash? And what if I make a mistake? And all those things are going to do nothing but hurt you. You just need to let it unfold and trust that you're supposed to be there. And that, that's kind of what I saw from Fernandez today was that he just felt comfortable and he felt like he belonged. And yeah, so I, I think you're going to continue to see that based off of his success today. Yago Geertz, he was a lot of people's pick to win this title. Now he did hurt his knee, which certainly can't be helping the situation. He's got a meniscus injury. But I don't know, man. I'm just not there with Geertz. Every time I watch him closely, he is picking himself up off the ground. And that's going back several years now. Now, I do think he'll win some. He's going to win motos. Wouldn't be shocked to see him win a few overalls, too. You get into Wommel and some of these tracks he's, he's an expert at. Wouldn't surprise me in the least bit. But I think for him to take the next step to be a champion, he's got a lot of work to do mentally. His health's not certainly not helping right now, but I just see way too many mistakes and I think it's a pattern. It's a habit and I don't know how to fix it. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying that I have the answers. I'm just saying that I, I can diagnose this problem and that's crashing. Crashing will catch up with you. It, it obviously takes you out of a lot of motos and it leads to injuries. And that's what you're seeing from, from Yago Gears right now. He's still young. He's got lots of time, but we're seeing, championship after championship go by the wayside now because of his own mistakes so we'll see what he we'll see what he bounces back with at Matterly um, but I think his health is the biggest question right now he's got to get healthy because that was not really a Yago Geert style performance today whatsoever so that's kind of it for the uh, MX2 class thanks to everybody for listening today um, I wasn't sure if I was going to do a podcast at all but watching that MXGP class well, MXGP race entirely. Um, yeah, I wanted to do it. And I want to thank all the sponsors. Of course, I owe lots of podcasts to them. I want to get their names out there. So even if I didn't have much to say, I would just want to come on here and, and pump those guys up. So I apologize for that. The, uh, the blatant advertising and, uh, yeah, you guys can, you can deal with it. I'm sure it's not the end of the world to hear, uh, great moto companies sharing their message. So thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon again. Reach out to me with questions. If you have those uh, direct message me on Instagram. You can email me at jason36 at aol.com. We will be going back to the Pro Glow uh, question of the week for next weekend after the High Point National. So get your questions in for that as well. And uh, once we get some fly racing inventory later this summer, I'll, I will do some more uh, some product giveaways. But to be honest, man, we don't have we don't really have anything to give away right now. So that's kind of why I've been holding away from that as well. And I'm sure we'll do some more Pirelli tire giveaways too. I will check with them on inventory and see if uh, they're in a place where we can do that. But I really like hooking you guys up. So thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you soon. See you.